Thanks, everybody, for coming. I think we are. I think we're all set and ready to roll. So here we go. We're live. We're live. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sound Brokers Mastermind Roundtable. Uh, my name is Jan Landy, and I want to thank you all for coming and listening and tuning in wherever you are. The Mastermind Table is an Thanks idea. Well. Well, that's pretty impressive right there. Okay. So anyway, I was so I was so impressed with myself, I had to record myself a second time. Anyway, this is the Soundbroker Roundtable. The concept of this is to put all the minds of our industry together so that we can come up with ideas to survive this terrible time so that we're around when uh, COVID is over. And there's a lot going on right now. So I want to thank you all for coming. And this is not the Jan Landy Show. Uh, everybody here is here to participate. Uh, our, our people in the panel right now, you're all industry leaders. Uh, we have Doug Kosis from DK Capital here to answer some financial questions because today's theme is going to be about money. How are we going to get money to survive uh, these tough times because everybody needs some money. So um, I think we'll start it off. Let's, you know, Doug, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people what you do and let's get moving. All right. All right. So, yeah, I am Doug Kosius from DK Capital and uh, I am an equipment financing uh, person. Uh, I've been doing this since uh, I think I started in 88, worked for another leasing company for a while and started DK Capital in uh, 2003. Put all my attention into servicing, uh, you know, the live event market. Uh, so whether it be sound, lighting, video, uh, we we finance virtually any of that equipment. And of course, we can finance anything, but uh, it's just what I've focused my attention on over the years. Um, this uh, we're at DK Capital is experiencing the uh, setback from COVID nineteen, just like everyone else. It's uh, it's been a a, a tough start or 2020 for sure. Uh, and so we're really paying attention to what our underwriters are, how they're thinking and what they're offering as far as uh, assistance and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, that's about it. You know, equipment financing. So that's what I do. Well, very nice. And by the way, in the chat, if anybody needs Doug's name and number, you'll see it in the chat. Anyway, so basically, Doug, tell me what's going on right now as far as uh, the money scene goes. What are you finding? What people are doing? Uh, financing? Uh, I don't want to give you too many questions at one time, but let's start about uh, refinancing. Well, refinancing, we haven't had too many people refinance their, their agreements with us. Some have uh, opted to uh, buy out our deal and extend the terms with either the SBA money that's available or they've consolidated their debt with their banks. Um, uh, we've, well, mo for the most part, uh, we've had customers call and ask for some payment relief and, and all of my underwriters and in, uh, myself as well with our internal funding, we uh, were very willing to accommodate any request for, for deferred billing. Uh, that seems to be what helps a lot of people get, you know, get through these, these uh, no income months and uh, gets them thinking of what, what's my next step? Where, where am I going to uh, start making some money? Uh, some folks are doing uh, venturing into install projects more than they had in the past. Um, 
some are jumping right out of sound temporarily and moving into video to do video conferencing and whatnot, something that is uh, more you know, widely used, I suppose, in this, in this day and age. Um, but yeah, you know, not too much in the, in the form of uh, customers asking for a refi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because what I would say to you right now is, yeah, we're seeing this and I'm showing on the screen right now. I don't know if you guys can see it, but this is one of my customers who bought an SL320 and this is the, they're doing a drive in movie theater. So basically uh, screens are definitely taking taking shape, uh, LED panels, all of that. And in regards to that, we also know that, you know, that Live Nation, for example, is also doing um uh, they're doing concerts right now as well uh, where for drive-in theaters, you know. And then, of course, we've got, uh, you know, we've got that uh, good old Walmart, and they are also getting ready to do some drive-ins right now, but they're going to be showing, showing um, I believe, movies on the side of their wall. And so basically that's what we have, and that's what's going on. So um, what about financing? Are you finding it easy or difficult to get people money right now? Uh, I think it's a little more difficult. I think that credit, they don't, I don't think credit wants to admit it, but they're tightening their belts. They're being a little more selective. Um, it's, you know, what, for, for my clientele, um, what I'm seeing mostly right now are install transactions, churches, um, some performing arts centers. Uh, and then there are some production companies that are doing uh, uh, some short-term financing, but not, not too many. Um, what I found with the churches, uh, which I thought was interesting is, uh, the, the underwriters are looking at them more like just a regular business. Some are saying, look, we won't look at them unless there's a guarantee, a personal guarantee, which I think is silly, but, uh, that's just an indicator that they're, they're tightening, uh, their belts a little bit, uh, the fact that churches aren't holding services in-house, I think causes the underwriters to look at it as how are they going to generate revenue? And my argument is look at their tithing. We look at the financial statements and the tithings are still up. It doesn't matter whether the bodies are in the building or not, it's whether they're generating revenue. And in some cases, the churches are generating more tithing and they have less operational costs. So their, their financial statements look stronger. Um, but it's still a, it, it's a hard sell right now. Uh, money, cost of money is not increasing. In fact, in, uh, with a few funders, they've, they've dropped their rates. But when you look at their credit uh, uh, criteria, it, it is, they want that top, top quality uh, credit applicant to be able to get that type of a rate structure. Mm -hmm. So are they putting up collateral right now? What kind of collateral are they putting up for these loans, or, they, they, or it's just the gear? It's just the gear. Yeah, yeah. We're not we're not over collateralizing anything. Hey, Ken, uh, question: Has any of the underwriters been coming back and asking for unusual things like uh, they want a monthly financial statement or a cost of you know uh, also a uh, uh, forecast of work coming in and money cash flow or anything like that. I started asking for any of those. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. They want to, uh, there's a form that some of the underwriters are handing out or bring, they, they asked me to hand out that is a, a COVID summary. 
So it, it has a series of questions that, uh, that pertain to how has COVID affected your business and what, how, what's your plan as, uh, you know, with this equipment, is it, you know, is it, uh, I mean, what's the plan for the equipment? What's your forecasted uh, work? If you're, uh, if they feel like COVID has shut you down, are you buying it to hopefully get back on track or is there an actual plan? So that's that uh, uh, review sheet, it, it asks that. Some funders are asking for 2019 and 2018 financials when they normally wouldn't, and uh, I'd say a smaller ticket transaction, they might look at the deal and say, hey, everything looks good, but I just wanna know where are they at financially? How did they look last year? We already know 2020 is not gonna look very good. How did they look last year? And so they, more so they're looking at a, a, a tax return or a, a P&L just to support their credit approval. Wouldn't they have their more their their own view of the business to say, you know, yes, if you're touring or you're doing special event stuff, you know, small, you know, theaters are going to come back first of the year, February. Most stuff's not going to come back till shed season next year, and bigger stuff's not going to come back till later. Right. Yeah, I've been relaying some of that information to the underwriters, letting them know. Uh, what I hear as far as the, uh, you know, the forecast of, of the wide range of, of live sound, you know, and, and uh, so they're, they're aware of it and they're, they're trying to lend, uh, you know, but at the same time, they, you know, they just don't want to write the note and then have a customer say immediately, I can't pay it. I need to, I need relief. So they're being a little cautious. And I think that's why they're looking back at other financial information. And yeah. asking pastors to personally guarantee the note. They want that little added, added security. I just went through that today. I, an hour conversation with one of the pastors I'm working with, and he concluded, he said, look, I need this, I need this equipment, so I'll guarantee it. And he, he, he bought, you know, it, he folded on that. I told him not to. I said, call your bank. But I think maybe the bank's doing the same thing. Now, were you hearing anything with SBA? Is any is is SBA doing anything or offering any money that way? Uh, well, yeah, the whole stimulus uh, plan that that SBA. Um, I'm not sure what the acronym is, but I've had a lot of customers call in for payoffs, like I said earlier. Uh, I'm going to make this one year without payments. It's based a 30 year amortization at three percent, and or three and a half percent or whatever, and I'll just dump your, your deal and this will help me survive. And I'll come back later. If I need it money later, I'll come back. Um, and, and that's helped a few, few of the customers. I'm not so sure it's a great idea. As long as they can pay that off early with no penalty, that's a good deal because it does give you that, that delayed period um, to get through all this. Uh, but long-term borrowing on, equipment that has a five to 10 year life expectancy is a little, a little scary. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, that SBA is, is, is definitely being used by some people. Mm -hmm. So um, one thing that I wanted to talk about, uh, Michael can't be here today, evidently, but uh, I got a letter from him last night, basically uh, 
in clo closing the bill for the restart language. And uh, just the day before, he sent me an email as well saying that we're very, very close that uh, we're getting this money uh, from, from, uh, from the government. And it looks like that what they're trying to do on the restart is get us to get at least one quarter of money that we don't have to pay back right away, uh, either at low interest or no interest, uh, and it might even totally be, be forgiven on, on something like that. Um, let me see if I could just find this, uh, this letter right here. Um, it, and basically, he entitled it. I don't know if you all saw that, but it's a, uh, it, he says it's a, a bit of positive news that the Democrats have announced they will be working towards a $1.75 trillion package. While the Republicans have not publicly said such, there seems to be wide support to come up, for, uh, come up to that. So it looks like something could happen, all depending on whether or not the states get some money or not. So that's one of those things that, uh, you know, that's a possibility. Also, I've noticed as far as money goes, a lot of the counties and states are offering financial assistance to people. Uh, and I was wondering if anybody out there in this panel has, has heard anything about that, uh, about the money coming from counties, states, uh, cities, municipalities. In their neck, in their neck of the woods, has anybody come up with anything that? Any has anybody heard of anything like that other than here in Nevada? Uh, Chip, you're muted. Yeah, we're actually working on a uh, Missouri grant program right now that is for manufacturers or businesses to retool to build PPE. So I've got my road case company working on a grant right now to start building shields. And uh, if we can get that, that's a completely forgivable grant. And mm -hmm. from what I understand, other states are doing things. Uh, in Missouri, they did a crap job marketing this. I just happened to stumble across it. Uh, the, the lady that's running it said they're actually having a hard time giving the money away because nobody knows it's, it's out there. Well, Shield seemed to be a pretty good thing right now. I just got this. Uh, I just got this from Empire, um, that's one of my, one of my, one of my distributors. Uh, and basically, as you can see, uh, these are shields for schools. Uh, there's one with the teacher, one for the students. And so that's something that, you know, that's a possibility as well, you know, where people can raise money to get things going, you know, during this tough time, because basically that's this whole concept. And I want to show you one other thing. Um, and this has to do with London and it's with the trance. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but as you as you could see, and I think you can see this. Uh, let me make this the bigger. I think you could see that. Yeah, if you if you look at it, if you look at it, you'll see. And I don't really know how they can make money doing this, but it seems like they've got everybody spaced out on risers. Um, has anybody seen anything like this? Does anybody have anything that they want to say about this? Hello. <laughs> hey, Jan. So there's a gentleman out of England. He's a safety consultant. His name is Ben Crabb. We're connected on LinkedIn. And he was the safety consultant for uh, this event. And um, another one just like it uh, for a different artist uh, just a few days afterwards. Uh, just in some brief uh, conversations with him on LinkedIn, it sounded like this physical setup was going to stay up for a little while so they could have multiple shows. Um, and that's probably where the money will be made. 
Because obviously, if you had to set this and strike this daily or, or every weekend, um, that, that probably would cut into your profit a lot, I would think. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, he's actually writing a white paper on everything. So basically, he had to write a proposal to the, uh, to the Ministry of Health to be allowed to do this event in the first place. From his proposal to the MH, he's going to extrapolate a white paper, and he said he's going to publish that on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, publish it on the web and put the link on on LinkedIn. So as soon as I have it, I will send you a copy, and then you can disseminate accordingly. Okay, very very good. Um, so, um, Doug, as far as as far as money goes, I mean. Are you seeing uh, more people coming to you and asking you about whether money is and, and what kind of interest rates are available right now? Uh, the volume has tapered off um, more. I think people are just going to sit tight until they know what the, you know, the future holds or when events are, are permitted again. Um, money has not uh, changed uh, other than a few uh, funders have, have dropped their rates uh, trying to spark some interest, um, cost some money, the low end, or, you know, to cost some money to me uh, prior to commission is in the lowest end is in the, you know, upper four, you know, 4.75, I think is the lowest that I've seen. Mm -hmm. So on the streets, you know, you put a commission in there and it's, it might be a point higher than that. And that's pretty aggressive for a fixed rate loan. Um, but again, if they, if it, it, to me, it's frustrating when they offer that in a time like this, when people are hesitating on borrowing money. Um, but uh, if there is a need for it, I think the, I think that cost of money is pretty, pretty fair. Um, but then at the same time, there's some underwriters who are still in the upper single digits and set, you know, so we're selling the money at nine, 10% because uh, they just, they want to, take on a higher risk transaction, they, they're offering more of a, a curved credit parameter. So they may have a lower rate uh, for some, and then they say, okay, well, this qualifies for this, this rate structure. So, um, so it's, it's pretty, pretty broad spectrum still in, in rates, I think. I don't think that uh, there's one particular rate that all these funders can, uh, can offer. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I would like to do is uh, you know, maybe go around the room and see what people are doing, you know, in regards, because it's, we're all in this together, you know, and what ideas are we coming up with, you know, to, to get money, to get money, like, for example, in the last two or three weeks, I've received four different emails from uh, the Jim Flynn company, which is the auction company, right? And these people are not going out of business, but at least at least uh, three of them are not. One is, but basically they're having auctions to get rid of all of their excess uh, gear that they haven't used in years. And I don't know how well these auctions are, are going to take place because the first one is basically taking place right now as we speak, and it's over um, on Friday. So I don't know if they're going to be raising any money or not, but I would love to go around the room and see what the, if anybody has any ideas of because this whole thing is about having money, raising money, what do we do to survive? So maybe we could throw this up and maybe some people want to share some ideas. Anybody? Well, that's good. All right. <laughs> I think the only place to get money 
is buying installed, put them in installs and stuff like that. You're not really doing well just on the street blasting stuff out. No. Uh, the other part of it too is it is somewhat worthwhile to take whatever you can get too. Is that on the backside of it, you do get get to uh, uh, take it off your insurance list there. So that drops you some of your rates and other things like that. So there's some other consequent things you can lower your your operating costs by getting some of your assets out of the building. Yeah, that's good. Uh, Michael. Uh, and I will say on a smaller scale, but along those lines, obviously, if if people are using their vehicles less, make sure you let your uh, insurance company know that because that'll drop your rates. Um, we did receive a grant from the city of Las Vegas. Um, and it was funny, we, the, the max amount of the grant, I think was $4,000. And it was specifically for preparing my company for return to business. In other words, COVID-19 preventions and precautions, PPE purchases, that sort of stuff. And I think I asked for like 3,100 or something. And three days later, I got a check for the full 4,000 with a letter that just said, here, just take the full four and make good use of it. And it's a full grant. It's not a loan. It's, it's a gift. Um, Lowe's also has a grant program going for small businesses. It's up to $10,000. Um, uh, what else? What else? Did I? I saw another one and I have a note on it here somewhere. I'll send it to you, Jan, if I find it and, and, and get it off. But you know, those aren't individually large sums, but next thing you know, you put four and 10 and maybe another five somewhere else together. And, you know, 20, 20, 25 grand might make the difference this fall, you know. Michael, well, you're here, you're here in, in Nevada with me. And did you hear about the Clark County program where they're offering up to $10,000? Um, yes. And I was a little disappointed that because it is, uh, so, so all of the local municipalities are doing some version of that. So Henderson, North Las Vegas, Clark County, and Las Vegas are all giving away money. Um, it's part of the federal money that they got for COVID-19. However, all of them are collaborating so that you can only get money from one source. So because I got my 4,000 from the city, I'm ineligible for the 10,000 from the county. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, there's, you know, we, we've all been in this business many years. We, we know a lot of people. We know some people are really struggling really hard. There's some people out there that their businesses were doing great and they leveraged a lot uh, going into this year because they're like, this is going to be, you know, a great year. I mean, I, I know people who own, you know, lighting and staging, audio, um, you know, uh, various different, you know, disciplines in our industry. And, some of them are struggling, you know, I was talking to this one guy today and he's got a whole bunch of video, you know, you hear about this video work that's out there. It's really actually only a tiny bit of work. And, um, he's, he's looking for a solution to, um, he was dealing with like a couple of different loan companies and he's looking for a solution rather than having to explain to each one and go through the process. He's, he's trying to find, what he would like to do is try to find one loan company to take all of his debt and just put it into one. But it's, it's isn't that impossible when you have no income coming in right now during these times? Is, has anybody heard of anything like that, you know, with regards I, to? I think the, the Treasury Main Street Lending Program will let you retire debt. It is a five-year loan, three and a quarter percent. 
no interest payment the first year, double compounded interest payment the second year, interest plus 15% of the principal the third year, same the fourth, and then interest and then a balloon of 70% at the end. Hmm. But I think there's it goes by your last year financials and stuff there and percentage you get there. But from what I recall on it, it does not give you, you know, it doesn't limit you where you can spend the money. Yeah. Now, now, Dave, you're here in the room. Do you have any comments you want to bring up? Anything you, anything you want to say? What's going on with you guys? You just need to unmute yourself. That's all. And then, so funny for. That's why. That's why. That's why none of us. Never were doing shows. Give give the Exactly. We've been pretty proactive in. Um, pursuing the various loans, PPP, Main Street, and then SBA, the uh, EIDL um, money. The SBA has actually been pretty good out here. They um, paid off part of our building loan. Um, they forgave three months of payments on the um, property, just free and clear. They said, just don't pay it. And we just had a they said they automatically just would take less money out of the auto pay. And that ended up being about four or five grand a month, um, which was nice. The EIDL went well. I can say that um, if you're going to go for the Main Street loan, uh, we're having a little bit of conflict with that. We applied for the Main Street, or we're in the process of applying for that. Um, and the EIDL loan puts a lien on a lot of your on your total assets so they're pretty aggressive in their liens so that compromises your bank that's doing the main street loan is going to be a little more reluctant to be in second position there um so we're looking at maybe paying back the eidl DL loan to, to free up that um that first position uh it's not that much money it was 150 grand so it's not um crippling but it's definitely also they seem to count available credit lines and stuff like that so the main street is i think it's four times your um your um, income from last year your gross or your your EBITDA for last year and then uh, they start deducting a bunch of stuff out of there so yeah, the caution you know that that whole thing of like getting one loan and getting blocked from others is caution um, all in all, I mean, we're fine. Yeah, the whole finding money thing is, um, you know, there's a gamble, a time, we're all playing, I guess, the um, time, we're gambling against time. We want to stay prepared. It's like a storm has come through. We're all on a ship and we um, want to lighten the load and survive the storm without throwing any food overboard so that we die in the storm and making sure the ship is still seaworthy after the storm and finding that trajectory is difficult with the with the unknowns as far as the um, length of time before things start to recuperate right. uh, we, early on in this adventure in april march april when we first uh started implementing reactions to it um I put together pretty much, I, 
put together a 12 to 18 month timeline based on um, figuring no matter what happens, it's going to take one to three months for it to stop growing, one to three months for it to stabilize, one to three months for it to fall, one to three months for it to us to be comfortable with the fall and then one to three months to kind of turn the corner and start doing stuff. And by adding those up in the average, I came up with a 12 to 18 month uh, time frame before things would start to be viable again, maybe not full string. So we're looking at April next year to be kind of things to start puttering along and gaining some traction late next year right before the seasonal downturn things should get some good traction and not till uh, 2022 till we have any sort of semblance of uh, pre-covid type business uh so we're, we've, we're we're gauging our trajectory to weather this 12 to 18 month from march of last from march of this year time frame uh as a not conservative, but a reasonable um, trajectory to follow. Um, and I guess my last point, my last uh, thing is um, talking about money. You know, I guess the biggest challenge for us and maybe other companies is the, um, you know, Doug, it's great to see you there. And thank you for all the work over the years. And, um, <laughs> Good to see you too. Um, the, you know, having the overhead, I mean, rent, you know, having a significant amount of assets, but also having the debt service through the downturn with a minimal amount of um, income. And some way, I mean, that's really for us, and I'm sure other companies, if we could eliminate the debt service, everything would be fine. We, we could actually run neutral buoyancy or in the black. To some, not a good black, but just basically we could we could keep things running for an indefinite period of time without the debt service. We don't want to sell off gear because we want to be prepared for the resurgence. Um, on the other hand, um, maintaining the debt service or building up debts or even you know getting deferments and stuff just backpiles all this constipation, financial constipation into the future, which is quite uh, concerning. Uh, and then you figure out how far deep you're going to go into that and how vulnerable you are as an individual versus your corporation. Um, and maybe one aspect to look at here is um, doing something where finding outside financing to temporarily purchase assets or purchase contingent purchase of assets um, in exchange for at a low rate uh, temporary or contingent purchase of a block of assets at a greatly reduced below not only book value but below current market value but the contingency would be such that um, at some future point three four years three years down the road first right of refusal, first option to buy back stays with the company. So you sell, I don't know, sell a million dollars of assets to someone 
with a promissory note to buy it back for a million three, but the assets are worth three million. And for the investor, they get three million dollars worth of crap for a million bucks. The company relieves themselves, the million dollars that comes in is used to eliminate debt, eliminate debt service. So then all of a sudden you don't have your overhead, you become, you reduce that big outgo. And you still have access to all your assets. Um, and then um, throughout the downturn time, the company has the ability to rent the assets from the investment group at some reasonable rate, you know, 50% of market. So you've still got assets and viability to um, surge back up at will, yet you have eliminated your debt service and made yourself have long-term, um, uh, <clears throat> uh, you, you can survive a long or extended period of time. And then at the end of the three years, if things are going well, um, you go to you go back to Doug. You go back to a company and say, "I got three million dollars of assets I can buy for one point three million. It's easily worth that one, you know two million on the open market." And you finance it and pick up a loan then and re rejuvenate your debt service. So that kind of creative financing, I think, is. Um, something worth considering well and, yeah. and doesn't that model already exist because that's that's what the casinos have all been doing here in vegas for the last few years i'm they sure sell. that model exists in many forms it's something that i've implemented in the past uh yeah it's um and just tailoring that to our specific industry um and then that might be something doug you can get you could help with i don't know is there is that is um you know, is that something that a company could come to you and say, here's $3 million, here's stuff that, uh, and Jan, you know, pricing of stuff or what current markets are. Here's stuff that even in COVID downturn is worth $2 million. And normally it would be worth $3 million. We're looking for a million dollar temporary loan against it or buyout on it. And there's a return on investment when things surge up. And there's a buyback and the worst thing that happens is the company loses all the gear, but there's still no debt. Everybody wins. Yeah. I don't think our current funders would be, you know, they're, they're, they're set in their way. They have their model, but I'm sure that there are people uh, in our association that, that offer, you know, we, I, I receive emails all the time from factoring companies and, and, and uh, working capital low uh, lenders and whatnot so there's got to be someone who can take that model and and or i could present that model to them and they say yeah we do that all the time Shit. I if, if i didn't have if i was uh if i uh, was a little more it was a little less dependent on this situation i would do it for someone else right now right yeah I, I, this is a model that um if a sound company came to me and said and i trusted them and they're they're um you know honest ethical company with a good reputation said, hey, you wanna buy our inventory for X amount? I'll be like, hell yes, but you gotta sell it back to us if we don't make it, all right? And we'll pay you in the meantime. Either way, I've got a 30%, you know, it's 10% per year, whatever, 8% per year uh, markup on it, three years, it marks up 24%. So 
Uh, I get 8% on my money. Worst case scenario is they buy it back. They don't buy, and plus any rentals in the meantime. And uh, if they don't buy it back, I get all this gear and I predict three years out what it's going to be worth. Um, I could do that calc and um, uh, make a decision there that would be beneficial to both parties either on either side of that equation. Well, as soon as we get out of this meeting, I'm calling Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, see what we could do for you guys. All right. <laughs> because the reality is, is that, the, you know, this industry, this industry, people are are begging us. Are, they're just begging us to get back to business. Here, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I want to show you something. Um, I want to. I'm gonna. I want to show you uh, uh, if I can figure out how to do this now. Why did I? Uh, there it goes. This is. This is. This is Smash Mouth at Sturgis, right? And look at these people. Now, this is knowing full well that there is COVID out there. But look at how many people showed up to see a band's play. I mean, this, I mean, now of course they say one person's got COVID. So now everybody there, whether they care or not, I don't know. But the reality is, is the reality is, is that people do want to be entertained. People absolutely want to be entertained. And the, the need to gather is overwhelming because the reality is I think that something like this is really going to make a, a long impression because people do want to get together with one another the way they are. I mean, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. So I think we're all in a good place. It's just a matter of surviving it. As I always said, you know, it's like, you know, my analogy this week was, uh, you know, first week I was with the boat. Then I was with, uh, then I was, I, I was talking about this being on the starship enterprise going boldly where no one has ever gone before, you know, and not wanting to be in one of the red shirts. But now I feel like I'm in a forest and it's foliage and somehow I've gotten off the path and I could hear the voices yelling over this way, over this way, you know, and I just figured out how to get over that way in time so that I don't starve to death or, or, or not have enough water to drink during those periods of time. And I think we're all in that same boat right now, you know, or uh, to mix, mix mixed analogies, you know, boat and forest, whatever. Um, one other thing that's going on right now, and there is a big movement right now to let people know where we are, like rolling down cases down, down, just down uh, the street. But in England, they, they had We Make Events. And if you haven't seen that, I mean, this is pretty impressive what they're doing over there, you know? It's just, it's just something that people are doing uh, so that, you know, you can, uh, so that you can make people aware of the industry that we're in that they depend on so much. We're doing that um, here, Dan. They set the date for, for the U.S. They're, they're actually doing that here today uh, in Las Vegas, uh, rolling down. Also, one other thing that I wanted to point out to you is that um, Chuck Schumer has got a bill right now running through uh, the Senate, if you hadn't heard about that. And that's something, that's something else that I just found out about. And basically, it's called, uh, it's called the uh, uh, Our Stages Act. And basically, it's an idea to to keep. Uh, I'll read it to you. Independent venues like theaters, concerts, halls are, be are the beating heart of New York cultural life during the force in the economics. Uh, but right now, local businesses are shutting down, and so that's the concept right there for him. And so there are lots of people out there doing their best for us, but it just seems that it seems to be slow, and we just have to hold on until that point. 
And so any ideas that anybody has right now, and, and Dave, your idea is excellent, you know? Anybody else want to chip in here with, uh, you know, uh, speaking of chip, chip? <laughs> Sean? Hey, guys. Um, I'm in Los Angeles City, Los Angeles County, Southern California and California. I think, I think a few of you will relate. It's, it's pretty difficult with, with rules and regulations here. I, I just wanted to share, we've been bid on about 30 projects which is incredible in the last five months. And they've all been drive-in movie theaters and live virtual streams. Um, literally the only two topics of discussion. And we've, we've won five of them, which is keeps a couple of us busy. Um, but we've been trying to get a little bit more creative and, and I've just wanted to throw a couple of ideas we've been working on, but there's talk that we're not going to be able to get out of the car for a bit here. So we're working on things like drive-in haunted houses and drive-in photo booth moments and trying to take these trade shows into a drive-through the trade show experience. Um, and then I just wanted to comment that, that we've got an input that essential workers and essential businesses can get permission to do events and projects. Uh, so things that we hadn't thought about are um, manufacturing, the sales effort of any type of product, uh, training employees, um, sales conventions of like a car, a car premiere, those types of events, which literally have been, no, you can't do that. Most government agencies are now saying, well, you know, you probably can do that. Um, you put that picture up, Jan, of everyone in their little booths sitting in, on the field, which would be dreaming. But um, maybe Dave can comment on this with the Ventura drive-through concert series. But we have been absolutely, you may not get out of your vehicle and you may not sit on a platform and nothing that you do can even remotely seem like you're assembling. So all these great ideas are amazing. I think we're, I think we're many, many, many months away from really being able to do that stuff. So on that note, um, has anyone had any um, requests to, to put bids in on some odd stuff besides a drive-in movie theater or a live stream? I'm curious what other sectors might be active. Well, I'm, I'm hearing about uh, LED walls. I'm hearing about churches on mobile theaters. I'm hearing about outdoor events of all sorts of different things. But again, I am not the one that I'm, I'm not actually producing shows anymore. Uh, I know Dave Sherman is in the room and, and, and he, I know he talks to a lot of people, um, you know, as, as concert consultants as he is. And if maybe he has something he can, uh, if, if he's listening in, he might want to pop in and say something. Uh, yep, I see him. There he is. How are you doing, Jan? And hello, everybody. Uh, one major observation I have this week, uh, Jan, is that the, um, the creative ideas, the new evolutionary uh, event platforms and, and presentation technology uh, formats, that, uh, like Sean was talking about, <clears throat> Uh, we touched on this two weeks ago. Uh, do the math and follow the money. When you have socially distanced audiences and you have people, groups of people in cars 
and the cars are spaced like at a drive-in type event, ultimately you have uh, a lower carrying capacity for the, the, uh, the audience area, for the square footage, whether it's a, a, a sports field, uh, an empty, empty lot, a Walmart uh, or a, a Target shopping center parking lot. Uh, so monetizing the event is what drives the risk assessment uh, for all the contributors. Um, whether you're renting porta potties and folding chairs or bringing line arrays and LED walls uh, to uh, a, a gathering, even if it's socially distanced, the somebody somewhere has to financially underwrite the event. And so what, what I'm seeing and, and hearing about a lot from, from the major uh, event promoter communities, uh, including Live Nation and, and uh, AEG through the Oakwood Group, um, there are many, 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 many potential ideas. Lots of pent-up demand, like you say, on the audience side, Jan. Pent-up demand on the artist side, on the performer side. Uh, they don't want to be sitting in their house uh, doing uh, iPhone recordings and, and streaming views of themselves with an acoustic guitar. They want to be out there with their with their peeps, with their fan base, and so. Uh, at present, some of the art on the artist side, uh, on your, your client side, if you're a production service company, yes, you have performers willing to take a haircut, meaning uh, get out and do events, do a series of events, participate in a string of events for lower than market rate, a lower, much lower show guarantee, a lower uh, net profit expectation, a strip down entourage, uh, reduced overhead uh, to mobilize their 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 show, whatever it is, uh, however it's going to be put up, and uh, you still don't get our industry back up to the uh, to unity gain. You know we're we're at minus thirty dB, minus forty dB right now, and you don't get us back up to unity gain financially, so that the the wheels all start to turn again, unless you have the the money coming from somewhere. If it comes from ticket holders or people paying to participate in a streaming event that happens occasionally, uh, that's great. It's just not probably going to get back to the run rate that we saw as a, as a, a nationwide and certainly a worldwide uh, industry uh, unless and until we can crack the code of public assembly. And that means what is the public health situation, what's, what's really true, uh, what's really happening, and how is that being regulated, managed, communicated about uh, locally and regionally, whether it's the mayor of Long Beach or, or of Oakland, whether it's the governor of Kansas or, or Massachusetts, whether it's the uh, federal government uh, guideline, uh, that, that influences something and it's outside our industry's control. So I, I continue to tend to, uh, to under, underscore Michael Strickland's point of view. We, we have to stay positive and optimistic, but we also have to be realistic. Uh, anyone who's a business owner like, like Dave Ratt, uh, I know you probably remember Dave. You and I talked by phone uh, just the week after Coachella was canceled here for, for 2020. 
And uh, at that time, you and I both assumed this would not be a long-term uh, a sea change, uh, you know, just putting pause on the whole industry for a year. Uh, we, we thought it would be a soft summer. Um, so I'm kind of rambling here. I'm just throwing out some ideas to stimulate uh, discussion and, and perspective from other people. But, but really, Jan, I, I, I think everything we do, as we stay optimistic, as we are creative, as we, we work on those proposals like, like Sean's doing, and that's great to hear that there are dozens of potential projects to bid on and, uh, and uh, events to, uh, to participate in, uh, but it's a, it's a small fraction. It's a, it's a tiny percentage of what we all were participating in just six months ago. So I, I'm not being Debbie Downer here. I'm just saying eyes wide open, be very practical. Think about those creative economic formula uh, like, um, like uh, Dave Ratt was mentioning. How do you keep your, your doors open, keep your shingle out, keep, maintain your client communications, uh, keep your, your core infrastructure, including your human resources in place without uh, overspending on operating costs uh, while you have uh, dramatically reduced income. So I, I'm not sure that I, I said much here of, of real value. I'm, I'm mainly touching on how I see our broader industry uh, trying to come to grips with reality. That's, that's really, I think, my message here. Reality is follow the money, uh, even if part of that money is coming uh, in the way of federal government subsidies, uh, if it's coming in the way of charitable contributions through the nonprofit and, and NGOs uh, that are finally paying attention to our industry. Uh, these, these consciousness raising uh, multi-city events uh, that do uh, support the event industry, both live venues, performance uh, uh, facilities, and of course the, the, uh, the touring community. Um, they are very important. They're, uh, they are having a difference on the, across the political spectrum. Uh, and as you mentioned earlier, uh, uh, Senator Schumer uh, is a co-sponsor uh, just in the last uh, couple of days of, uh, of a, 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 a rider, an addendum to the CARES bill uh, that will highlight and specifically earmark funds for live performance venues and the events industry. So that's just a little riff from me and answer to your request, Jan. Thank you, David. One thing that I will say, you know, it's like you got to be creative. And here's another idea right now of, of where you could be creative. I mean, this is a 360 drive-in movie. Now, I, I'm a concert, evidently, where they're, they're having everybody in the cars. I don't know much about this. I just saw this picture and I saw it on one of the trades. Uh, so I can't remember exactly. But it's an idea that you can, that basically you can... Um, run with if you can you know but i guess it comes down to financing who's going to finance all this i mean what about the beer companies what about the uh, what about the cigarette companies what about red bull what about all of these companies that normally have people coming to events how do we tap on to these people you know i, I want to share something with you guys um in 
putting this show together uh, for today, the Mastermind Group, one of the people I, I, I reached out to one of the top agents over at uh, a talent agency, CAA. And I've known this guy for years and years and years. And I wrote him a letter and he, I, I said to him, hey, we, you know, I'd like you to I'd like you to come in and speak to the group. And he, he basically says, well, I can't really do that. And I said, but this is really the these people ones that your people, your performers are dependent on to do their shows. Without them, you've got no shows. You, your clients, your music clients won't, won't be performing anywhere. And he wrote me back. He says, it's not that, Jan. He says, I am going through everything that you're going through with all my clients 50 times as much because I'm dealing with people that make lots and lots of money right now that are desperate for money. So there are people out there that, that are, are professional talent that have been supporting all of us by performing. These people are now hurting as well. Not everybody's got royalties coming in or, 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 or selling, uh, you know, like I just saw Jim Belushi is now selling weed in association with Live Nation. Uh, if you go to the Live Nation site, you could see that. Now, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. Anybody else have they anything they want to throw in? Any anybody they want to anybody want to chip in right now? Because uh, basically, um, uh, I don't want it to be the Jan Landy show, and uh, I do appreciate what David said. Uh, Ken, you look like you have something you want to say. Yeah. David and in uh, <clears throat> David and David, uh, the, I know it's been kicked around with a couple manufacturers of how to you know bring back their business, and Sodom have been worse as bad as us, you know, in selling stuff. There was an idea kicked around about doing a rental to a need and not purchasing selling. In other words, if you have a tour that bids inspect this way, you know, for this equipment on it, you rent it from the manufacturer for the, the, their tour, and then it goes back to them, and then you rent it there. So basically, you're having a use rental from the manufacturers, and they are basically renting it to you. This does seem like instead of having to heavily debt in asset wise the questions more is is that is this going to be a good long-term if the commitment are there because you can say technology driven you know buy this one for this tour or rent this for this tour take it back and then the next tour is going to be a different piece you know i'll be glad to respond ken uh, great to see you and i like that little palm tree over your your left shoulder there um the uh, the per, the point of view from the the audio equipment manufacturer or the uh, moving lights or the LED wall manufacturer, uh, remember that what happened for them mostly, uh, and this is not company specific; it's broad spectrum. Uh, whether it was Bose Professional, uh, which I was uh, currently linked with, or or uh, JBL, uh, Adamson, L Acoustics, Meyer, DNB, Digico, uh, Allen and Heath, Sennheiser, Shure, all of your vendors uh, face uh, the same drop in top line revenue that you guys did as uh, production service companies, but they, they had two uh, things that were very different. Thing number one, they were insulated from the reality of the market, meaning the the client base they have is you, and then they're they're two steps away from 
your client base, the people that pay you to field portable sound, uh, lighting, staging, video systems. Uh, the second thing they were faced with was uh, because of that two-step uh, distance from uh, current events, they, for the most part, did not respond quickly to reduce operating costs. Um, in fact, a number of companies uh, put out optimistic press releases about we're here for you. And you guys, you, you watched it, you read ProSound News, you looked at uh, ProLight and Staging News, uh, you saw two to three months worth of we're all in this together. Uh, you saw press releases about uh, what we're doing uh, in this downtime. Uh, there was a series of, uh, I'd say, a good solid 90 days of, of uh, webinars. Everybody was competing for your attention. Uh, did you want to watch uh, Jim Yakabuski or did you want to watch uh, uh, Pooch or did you want to watch uh, Robert Scoville? Uh, all talk about uh, how to mix uh, uh, or uh, tell war stories or what have you. So we're now on the, the, the long tail or the slow decline of that. And we're, we're back to uh, square one, which is on the supplier side, Ken, uh, you look at DNB, uh, Audio-Technic, uh, of which you have some stock, uh, this certified pre-owned uh, program is essentially a way to uh, do something with some of the repossessed and the inbound uh, sold gear and leased gear that is coming back into their financial control. Uh, but but I, I still come back to the question, how do we get the, how do we reprime the pump? Uh, if if the, the metaphor here is that our industry, the production and events industry is the pump and you have water flowing through it, when the, when the water stops and it hiccups and you get an airlock, uh, you have to prime the pump. And, and so if, if water is money flowing through, uh, keeping our economy vital and keeping your, your staff employed and, and paying the, for the insurance uh, policies and, and the truck leases and the real estate and all of the infrastructure, it all comes down to uh, ultimately people buying tickets to attend live events. So the ticket buying public is not going to come back for quite a while. So I, I do think that there are things that some vendors, be it Sennheiser or L Acoustics or what have you can do, but just be aware. And I'm sure you keep in touch with some of your good contacts there. Even a strong global firm like L Acoustics had to uh, sadly, do a, a very a severe layoff of personnel. Uh, in fact, uh, a higher percentage of, of their staff in North America uh, was let go recently than, than in other continents. Um, so on the supplier side, they are in the same position that, that, the, that their customers are, uh, but they're less connected to the industry that drives their revenue. In other words, if, uh, if their customers are not ordering new gear. And if they are sitting on things, a warehouse full of gear that is not shipping to purchase orders, yeah, they could rent that to Spectrum Sound. They could rent that to Rat Sound, but um, you already have gear in your shop and you can use the gear you have and you wouldn't benefit from taking what profit margin you have to rent more gear than you need. 
So uh, I love the idea. I'm just, and, and I'll think on it seriously and maybe give you a call later. I'd love to, to ponder that a little more, but really just be aware guys that on the supplier side, most of your vendors are in business survival mode also. I, I really do not. I mean, to have a, a manufacturer go into competition with the rental companies would be highly undesirable. And not only so, it'd be undesirable enough to where we would probably uh, avoid using that manufacturer's gear if possible. Yeah, I don't know if I'm unmuted, but let me piggyback on what Dave said. I had a conversation with someone who runs the largest entertainment services company in the world a couple nights ago, and we were talking about this various, this very, very thing, talking about in our, in our industry, as we all know, it's the flavor of the month that the designers want to specify because the manufacturers are pushing, pushing that item, whether it's in lighting, video, or audio. And I don't think there's going to be a demand for the flavor of the month for another two years because the resources are sitting on people's shelves not being utilized and they need to recoup from that loss before we see any new gear hitting the market. Totally agreed. Totally agree. Yeah, the, the latest, there's no pressure to get new great gear. There's so much gear out there at a discount. The pressure is going to be downward. It's going to be, what's the best gear out there and available? And what can I, can I get a better price on it than I used to before? That's right. I think that it's going to be, if it's a race to the bottom, then we all going to lose, Dave. And the reality is it's all about the people and the relationships that we have. Yeah. It's going to be, it's just going to be the, the, um, right now there's going to be several things. I, the way I see it, oh, there's so many points here. One is the, um, uh, there's going to be a bunch of companies that are under enough duress to where they're going to make very drastic decisions to reduce their rates for survival, you know, last ditch effort. So we're going to deal with that backlash regardless whether it's wise or unwise uh as companies go down and they strive they struggle for survival they're going to make whatever decisions necessary to prolong um that will have a downward pressure on pricing and also the down i'm not saying the downward pressure on pricing isn't even justified most of the companies or many of the companies if not all have um reduced overhead drastically in order to overcome this and there's a lot more gear and supply and demand. We're going to see a downward pressure on pricing. Not necessarily a race to the bottom, but a, um, uh, a downward pressure on pricing. Right. Alternate, uh, in addition to that, though, there's a lot of compassion out there. There's a lot of companies that have loyal clients that have been in this business, and they're striving to work. The artists will work. Um, I want to back up a little bit. We talk about the rejuvenation or the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that historically, that's already predetermined and known. I mean, this is not the worst. It's like I fucked up way bigger shows than this. This is not the worst viral pandemic outbreak planet Earth has ever seen. And every single one of them has seen a resurgence towards mass gatherings or else we wouldn't have had them right now. Every single one bounces. It is in human nature to gather in masses, whether it's sporting events, house of worship or musical entertainment, et cetera. So there's no question whether it will return. The question is when. 
And as far as the spark of Dave Sherman talking about uh, getting the lighting the fire, what do we got to do to prime the pump? Uh, we're dealing with something beyond our control if we narrow our focus into the entertainment because we're legislated by the various governing bodies, whether they're city, state, country based, those governing bodies are putting limitations on our ability to do what we're doing. And so it's not a matter of priming the pump, it's a matter of having these legislative bodies release those, those reins, those lockdowns on us. Um, as far as Sturgis is concerned, and then um, the show that just happened, where was that show in um, Taiwan or no? Um, uh, yeah, 10,000 seat show in, um, um, in Asia. Where? I think it was Taiwan and it was a four night show. Yeah, yeah. so the, you know, we're gonna see that, we're gonna see a game of whack-a-mole globally where people pop up, the pressure, the pressure behind resurgence is so great, not only from the artists, but also from the public and from the vendors. Every, all those things triangulate to have this volcanic effect of, of uh, getting back to something like before. Um, and that's gonna erupt in various places throughout. And some of those eruptions will be successful and some of them won't. And we're gonna play a game of global whack-a-mole for a while. And it, I, you, I kind of equate it to like people trying to ex first explore the South Pole. And you have an expedition go down, everybody dies. Another one goes down and they kind of come back, you know, almost dead. And then pretty soon though, a bunch of times up Mount Everest and it becomes a thing. Um, and then we're, we're seeing this kind of early explorer mentality, people taking risks, cities, countries, um, cultures. Those will manifest themselves. We'll see the resurgence. And then going back to the, um, the um, oh, I forgot what the other one was. The, yeah, I lost it there. All right, I jumped from too many subjects. Uh, <laughs> lost me, I lost myself. <laughs> the thing, Dave, Dave yeah. the one thing that I'm starting to see is a lot of people are talking about when they go out, it's gonna go out a little more streamlined because the managers are talking about going out and getting their feet wet and getting a cash flow base going, stepping back a few in the career to get their cash flow going and then step it up as they go, which would mean less gags, you know, less production, you know, will go out as a five or six truck tour or stuff like that. Absolutely. Caution will be everybody's going to step softly into the, into the unknowns and it's going to come from, the promoters, as far as cautiously booking venues and capacities, it's going to come from artists as far as keeping the budgets down, the gags down. And there's going to be such a hunger for it. They can do that. And the, the budgets, everything's going to start slow and low. And that's okay. Well, the other part of it is they're going to come out, too, that already had been discussed about how, how little can we cut down the tour prep? How can we just, I'm worried that we're going to end up with, with them coming back and say, we're going out Friday. We're gonna, <clears throat> the engineers come off furlough on Monday. We'll come in, prep stuff. We'll go into a couple days of rehearsal and bam, we're off on shows. Which then my next question is, is it for me to be ready is what's the best practices to be ready? Cause I don't wanna have to go play, you know, um, uh, go fish when they call me on Saturday night from Ohio and say, hey, our console just went down. Where can I get another one by tonight? 
I think some of that's going to come down to the, I mean, the reality is, the brutal reality is that coming out of this, we have, um, you know, whatever X amount of companies coming into this with Y amount of these companies surviving and Z amount not making it through. And we're going to have some fraction of the previous work come through. And when that work does come through, the ones that are able to that are prepared, that are able to get that call on Thursday and load a truck Friday are going to be the ones survive. It's going to be survival of the fittest in the front end of this. Um, or not necessarily survival of the fittest, but the early bird gets the worm kind of mentality. And then the people that have the finances to hold back and wait for the true surge. But there's going to be a lot. I see a lot of picking up scraps as we see now, I mean, there's very little work for a lot of companies and it's going to just be a, it's going to be a mess, um, you know, for quite some time until we get that confidence level, until that global whack-a-mole, until we start seeing, you know, 10,000 seat concerts or bars open in various cities for weeks or months on end. And there's no spike in the virus or it's leveled off and they've proven we gain confidence in the, um, and then that starts. We're also, I think, going to see, a, I mean, we're seeing a tremendous amount of territorialism where we probably see something where, I, w I see what I haven't seen that I expected to see is um, a growth of speakeasy type or uh, exclusive clubs that are regionalized. Um, a room opening up, and maybe it hasn't happened yet, but like a venue, to, you know, a 500 seat club sells memberships to people within a certain zip code so that they're isolated within that community and then hire uh, high profile local or regional artists to come in and play a multi night stand. And you can become part of this. I think that having these venues be able to select their clientele by zip code or by region um, or looking at it the opposite way. The last thing that any city, country, city, state, county, country wants is to have an event that attracts people from all over the country or world or state and brings in this, you know, does what's happening up in with the, you know, the bike biker thing with the, the um, Surges. Surges, yeah. I mean, that's the last thing that most places want. They're like, I live where I live in the beach. They have signs up, locals only. Everything is like surfing now. It's locals only. And I think that if there's going to be a resurgence or the early resurgence of rock and roll and musicians and, and entertainment, we'll need to embrace that locals only concept if it's going to be if it's going to uh, circumvent backlash from the local community and from uh, local uh, governments and legislations. Um, and that's probably the early, I, what I see, I'm surprised people aren't doing it. What I see is the uh, uh, path forward, at least in the short term. Let me ask you a question, you know, as, as right now, because uh, if, I, if I'm correct, you still work with the Peppers and, so, and they're a very big draw. And so you look at let's let's look at an analogy of what they're doing up in, in Orlando, Florida with the NBA. They basically got them in a bubble. What if the Peppers got together and said, you know what, we're going to we're going to take over a Las Vegas hotel and you're going to have to come through our system 
and that you're going to be in a hotel room for two weeks. And then at the end of two weeks, man, everybody in the hotel is going to be free to roam. And we are going to perform every night at seven o'clock. What do you think of an idea like that? I think that that's still too, that doesn't have enough locals only. I see, I see it more as like two of the Chili Peppers leave in Malibu, two live in Silver Lake, or, you know, and they, um, they book a club in Malibu. And that club in Malibu offers people that live in Malibu within a 15-mile radius the ability to buy tickets for this club. And the Peppers are playing to people that live nearby. And the community that's already together stays together and does the show at a high ticket price. And then they like, Zoom, you know, they live stream it or do whatever. And community-based you know, not going to the Ve uh, Vegas or Orlando or any of these epicenters where you've got a global community, uh, you know, global exposure. I think the exposure is two ways. It's not just keeping the pepper safe or keeping the artist safe, but it's also keeping the clientele safe. Will people in Malibu go to a show that somebody, from, a bunch of people from Chicago and Florida are showing up for? Mm -hmm. Probably not as much so as Will people in Malibu go to a show that only people in Malibu can come into? Oh, shoot, these are our people. We're already exposed to them at the grocery store. It's, we're just going to hang out in the music venue instead of, um, for, you know, in the same breakfast joint. And I think that embracing that localism, territorialism is going to be a, is kind of fundamental to the expansion of music uh, performances. To enhance that idea, um, I, have, I have been basically a prisoner in my own house since March, and I can't handle it anymore. So I've now gone back to my gym where they have, a, they have indoor tennis courts. And I was very nervous about going in there. But when I went in there, the first thing I noticed, they've got plexiglass everywhere. Next, I know I had to go through a temperature check. Then I noticed everybody's mandated to wearing masks. And so it, and then the next thing I notice is everybody is keeping their distance from one another. So it seems to me that more and more people are starting to say, hey, the gym is safe. And once people start saying that, all of a sudden, then people will start to return. So if we could do that with music, then I see it would work, especially on a local. The, the concept of that, though, is being implemented in the form of drive-in movie theater type, you stay in your car and... Um, the isolated riser thing like you showed, and that's going to, you know, that's cute and it's fun, but it's ultimately not going to be a financially viable adventure um, based without paradigm shifts on, um, on financing these events. Um, not only just an FYI, we know that it doesn't work by staying in the car because two shows go down uh, the chain smokers being one of them, where everybody just jumped out of their cars anyway. So, uh, you know, so, so we know that that's not going to be reality. That's why yeah. I village. we've got to get our heads packed. I mean, there's going to be a point where as long as everybody's in lockdown, plexiglass and um, six foot, but that's not going to last forever. There's going to be a point in time in the not too distant future, six to 12 months, I would say, maybe two years at the most, but um, where that is relieved. People are going to, the pent up thing that you speak of, being trapped in your house, 
there's a there's a choice that we're making right now between staying alive and making life worth living and we could all stay alive much longer if we ate perfect food and didn't ever left our house and really, really made sure everything was perfect, never took any risks, never went skiing, snowboarding, biking, whatever, never got in a car. And, but then life doesn't become worth living. So we're constantly making decisions between danger and happiness. And as time goes on, people are willing to take bigger risks and the danger level is dropping. So at some point they converge and we move on. And that's the point where the rock shows will begin to happen. And we also know from, we also know from Michael Strickland and from other people is that there are four major drug companies right now that are in a race to have a vaccine. So we know that for sure. And, and everybody who's got any money uh, in, in pharmaceuticals right now is thinking about exactly that. If we could only get a, a vaccine uh, that would be a wonderful thing. Anyway, I appreciate everybody's time. Um, before we close it up, is there anybody that has something that they want to share with one another before we uh, say uh, 73, 60, uh, David Dansky, if you feel like you got to say something, please. But unmute your mic. There you go. There you go. So there's something I wanted to bring up. I was hoping Michael Strickland would be here because it's an approach that I haven't heard yet on how to get more money and more attention aimed towards our direction. And that is, is to remind these politicians that their lifeblood in their wallets is fundraisers. And the more there's attrition in our industry, the less ability they're gonna have to be able to raise funds. That will get their attention. And I'm wondering if anybody's ever brought that up to these guys. I mean, we did the same thing when it came to the frequencies and wireless mics. They were told you're not going to have sports. You're not going to have your mics for your events. And they worked with us a little on that. But this is something that I think uh, you got to scare them. I think that'll scare them. That's it. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're going to just see what happens with the Democratic Party right now because this is their biggest fundraiser right now, what they're doing right now. And it's all virtual and it's all been, it's all, it's a presentation now rather than a live performance. And so we'll see how the public relates to that momentarily. Uh, this is going to, we're going to find out right now about that. Um, anyway, is there anybody else that has anything that they want to share before we, uh, before we uh, round this one up? Hey, Jan, I sent you via email a uh, graphic. I know uh, a lot of folks here saw the, um, red alert campaign that was going on in Europe where a lot of the manufacturers and the big production houses lit up their buildings in red on a specific date. Um, we are now doing that in the US. Um, although, you know, we're not a production company, but we're kind of, we hear a lot about what's going on in that world. And uh, the email, I got it first yesterday and now it's all over LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, September 1st is the date for here in the US for red alert. Uh, and Jan, I emailed you the, the graphic just a few minutes ago. I don't know if you could, you could post it or share it with everyone, but uh, basically they're just asking you to light your building um, in red, whether that's your office building or your home or both. Um, and they're asking manufacturers and municipalities, production companies, anybody in the industry to, 
to do that all on September 1st. Mike, what you could do is drop it in the chat and then um, then anybody could grab it right from the chat. I believe you're able to uh, put a file into the chat. I think I have that. If not, we will. I'll get it to everybody for sure. Um, and by the way, um, if you're looking at the chat window and you want to save the chat, there are three little dots on the bottom of the chat. Just click on those three, three, three little dots and you will be able to save the chat to look at it at your leisure. Um, I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart for coming here. You know, I know we all have better things to do uh, right now, even if it is to watch paint dry or whatever it is we do. But the reality is, is that without you guys, I wouldn't have an income and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have a life the way I had my life. For, for 23 years, I've been servicing your industry and now I feel it's time for me to give back as much as I can. And by you coming here and being with me today shows that you appreciate what I've done. And I can't thank you enough, um, especially those, and you know who you are, who've been keep coming over and over again. I really would urge you, if you like what we've done today, to spread the word, because I'm only one guy. And if, without your assistance out there, it's, it's, it's hard for one person to just build up this mastermind group. I need you guys to think about it. And when I send you out the next invite with the, with the pre-register link for you to send that out to people that you know, if you believe that this is worthwhile, because we put our minds together, we got a lot of great ideas out of today. Now, it wasn't exactly what I wanted because there's still not money on the table for all of us. But when Michael Strickland comes back and gives us a heads up on what to do or all of these different ideas that people have on how to make money, like Dave Ratt, for example, or Dave Levine, um, had came up with 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 his ideas they're all viable about and and it's possible that something is going to come of this and one of the things that i took out of this and i made a note is best practices somebody a few people said best practices and one of the things that i will say is that unfortunately in this kind of economy not everybody makes it the cream rises to the top but it's good good bad things happen to good people and it's my goal to give us as much tools as possible so that we will be able to survive. And I think that the next thing that I want to do is talk about budgeting and, and how you need to watch your money so that you are here during these tough times so that you do survive. And that's the whole concept of the mastermind group. So I really appreciate everybody coming. As far as I am concerned, uh, you make it happen. Go out and make it happen, and I will see you again next week. And now I am going to shut off the live streams and uh, stop the recording. And uh, let's have let we could have a free for all. You know that's it. You know. <laughs> and we are we are off the air. <laughs>